0: This is Matt Raymond at the Library of Congress. Each year, thousands of book lovers of all ages visit the nation's capital to celebrate the joys of reading and lifelong literacy at the National Book Festival. Uh, Co-chaired in 2009 by President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama, And presented by the Library of Congress. Now in its ninth year this free event held Saturday September 26th on the National Mall in Washington DC will spark readers passion for learning as they interact with the nation's best-selling authors, illustrators, and poets. Even if you can't attend in person you can still participate online. These pre-recorded podcast interviews with well-known authors and other materials are available through the National Book Festival website at www.loc.gov bookfest. It's now my pleasure to talk with Walter Mosley. He is one of the most versatile and ad- admired writers in America today. I think anybody who's a fan of crime novels and mysteries will certainly know this name. He's the author of more than 29 critically acclaimed books, including the best-selling mystery series featuring Easy Rawlins. Devil in a Blue Dress, the first book of this series, was the basis of a 1995 box office hit starring Denzel Washington. Mr. Mosley's work has been translated into 21 languages and includes literary fiction, science fiction, political monographs, and a young adult novel. He's also the winner of numerous awards, including an O. Henry Award, a Grammy, and a Penn America's Lifetime Achievement Award. Mr. Mosley, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, let's start, Great to be here. Let's start with your new book. It's called The Long Fall. What can you tell us about this?
1: Well, The Long Fall is a, is a departure for me. I, I, you know, a, a lot of the mysteries I've written have been uh, period pieces about Los Angeles, Los Angeles from the 40s, 50s, 60s. Up to the seventies, uh, and talking about a period of time which had gone undocumented uh, to a great degree, I think that that those books were kind of an obeisance I was paying to my father and um, the long fall though is is completely contemporary it 's a a detective in New York City current day uh, who whose issues are much more complex than uh... than a black man in the fifties and sixties would face. Uh, it every every step he takes he's in a different world he has to go. he has to figure out who he is and what he is through every door he goes through whereas easy rollins and other detectives i wrote about they knew who they were all the time in all places in all ways and so it, it to a great degree the, this new uh... Mystery series is about my life and the complexity of my world rather than my father's and his.
0: This uh, character is Leonid McGill, correct? Leonid McGill, that's right. Yeah, no, He's a bad guy turned good. What, what sort of uh, challenges did you face in, uh, in, in writing him?
1: Well, you know, he's actually a bad guy trying to turn good. Okay. It's a very difficult thing once you've been bad as long as Leonid, which means to say his entire life. Uh, to all of a sudden be on the right side, you know. His he he's stuck with so many people that he knows, and so many things that he knows that uh, come from a world of of, um, of uh, illegality, either condoned or not by the government.
0: Now you mentioned, of course, that, that there is uh, at least some some basis in your own life with this character. I'm always curious where the. I guess the autobiographical elements and the, and the fictional elements diverge. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I don't think there's anything autobiographical. I mean,
1: I guess it can't help, but, it, but every word you write is autobiographical in a way. Uh, it, it, if only the autobiography of your imagination. But there's nothing, Leonid is nothing like me. Uh, what I said and what I meant is this is about my world, not about me. Okay. Uh, it's it's about America in the 21st century, okay. uh, a world that I look at every day, that I walk out into, you know, every time I leave my uh, apartment, and so that's really what I'm trying to say. Uh, but as far as it being autobiographical, I, I I attempt very hard not to write about my life. I, I find too many people doing that, you know, that mm-hmm. the, the life I've lived is so important. Everybody needs to know it, and I'm thinking, well, not really, hmm. you know otherwise I'd be doing something else I wouldn't have any time to write.
0: <laughs> you mentioned your father Leroy and being at the Library of Congress, I was interested to learn that he was uh, himself a school librarian. What sort of influences did he have on you, especially in terms of your reading and your writing?
1: Well, my father actually was a, was a, a building supervisor, a, a custodian at schools, not not a librarian. Mm. However, he was a big reader and he always ha- had me in the library studying and learning and reading. Uh, and my father's impact on me was gigantic and uh... like so many things in art most of which is unconscious every once in a while i'll come across a thing like i realized once after my third book that my father had told me a story that when he was a child he had written a western sent it to a, a publisher in chicago you know back in the twenties or maybe early early thirties and um, never heard from them uh... but a year later uh, he came across that story. You know, it's a little story. You know, twenty, twenty, thirty pages in a magazine, almost not changed at all. Um, and that my father really wanted to be a writer, but I had written three books before. I had remembered that, and hmm. that certainly that was a big reason I became a writer. And I didn't even know it.
0: Now, you, uh, you have a lot of uh, different protagonists, and I have to say some really memorable names as well. We talked about Leonid McGill, but also Easy Rawlins, Socrates Fortlow, and, and um, the duo of Paris Minton and Fearless Jones. What sets them apart from each other?
1: Oh, you know, well, you know it's, what sets them apart from each other? It's, that's a really good question. It's very interesting. You know, when you know people, when, people, when you know people very well, you begin to understand how different they are from each other if you have five friends. Now, somebody could come from some other country, you know, some other part of the world, some other hemisphere, and see those five people and think, well, you know, they're all exactly the same. There's nothing different about them. They all act the same way, respond the same way, do the same things. But once you get to know them, once you get inside their hearts and their minds and their idiosyncrasies, you you begin to see... How different they are. And of course, as a, as a writer, that, that's what I do. What, the thing that's the most interesting to me is to, is to discover character. These people all come from very, very different places, even with you have somebody like Paris Menton and Fearless Jones. Uh, fearless Jones is, as his name uh, describes, completely fearless. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paris, on the other hand, is a coward. Uh, their friendship becomes very interesting with with, with that difference. Easy uh, wants to be middle class. Uh, Socrates Fortlow is a, a man who's committed rape and murder in his life. These actions define who they are, but bring them into a world where they have to know how to deal with people like each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, in the introduction, I mentioned a lot of the different genres that you cross—from mysteries to science fiction to young adult. Are there similarities uh, between them? Are there are there differences or different challenges in writing some of those genres? Well, there's a
1: difference. Every genre has
0: its difference. Uh, you know,
1: like for instance, mysteries are really heavily plot written. You have to address the 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 plot every five or six pages or so. You have to. A more uh, literary novel, Um, you may only come to the plot now and again because it's actually the story of character that carries you through completely. Um, But you know, all writing is writing. It's one word after another in sentences and paragraphs, you know, or maybe every once in a while in stanzas and lines. Uh, And so I I find that even though you there are challenges, in the end, it's all the same.
0: Now, you worked early on as a computer programmer for several years. Um, was there sort of an aha moment that uh, made you decide to change course?
1: Um, yeah, I guess there was. I, I had written a sentence, on hot sticky days in southern Louisiana, the fire ants swarmed. I wrote that. I was at work one Saturday and uh, at Mobile Oil. And um, I thought, wow, that's a that's a nice, that, you know, that could be the beginning of a novel. Yeah, I agree. Maybe I should write. And so, you know, I started writing and it worked.
0: Now, you're also a big comic book lover and you teamed up with Marvel Comics to produce Maximum Fantastic Four, which uh, recreated the first issue of the Fantastic Four. What was it like working on that project?
1: Oh, well, you know, that was a, that was a project of pure love. I mean, it was a uh, Uh, I was very much an editor on that. What I did was I took every image, every picture drawn by Jack Kirby and blew it up to as large a size as I could in this already gigantic book Uh, so that one could experience a comic book the same way that kids do. You know, kids see things so much more closely than adults do. And... Once it got to that size, I reexperienced the Fantastic Four number one as I had when I'd first seen it when I was a kid. Uh, I really, I really love doing that. You know, it was, it was one of those. Uh, it was a great moment. Mm.
0: Uh, you uh, wrote an article in Newsweek about America's obsession with crime. Uh, given that a lot of your novels deal with solving crime, what is it about the subject that that fascinates you? Why do you think that's a popular genre?
1: Well, I think that. Um, crime, you know, crime is an interesting word. I, th- I think it's, um, it's, a, it's a word that doesn't actually cover everything that it means. I think that, that we all feel a great deal of social vulnerability, uh, either to ourselves, from our loved ones, or from people that we don't know. How can we survive in this world where there are so many dangers? Mm-hmm. And how can we figure out where those dangers are coming from and how we can avoid them? I think that that's, a, that's the big thing uh, in American culture, but I think in all, all cultures, that survival is figuring out what dangerous can happen from an act somebody else takes or from an act that I take. If I do this, what will be the repercussions of
0: you're still very active in, in the struggle for social and literary equality, and your work uh, encompasses primarily African-American characters. You've even uh, won an award that honors your work, Increasing Racial Understanding and Appreciation. Are you consciously or intentionally trying to portray these kind of messages with your work and your life?
1: Um, I don't know. That's, it's such a hard question to ask, to ask you know. Is that you know? Is that true of Elie Wiesel, or is it you know true of James Joyce, or is it you know, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a hard question to ask, and as well a hard question to answer because it, my goal inside the work is to make these characters as much like everybody else in the world as possible. Uh, but they're people I know. I'm I'm very aware that up until the '60s uh black people were pretty much kept out of uh literature but this is also true of many hispanic members of the united states and and mm. asian and native american uh and it's like uh, you know and and seeing that we're so much a part of the story of america of the fabric of america that the story needs to be told from those points of view uh and uh, so that we can actually know where it is that we're living and what we're doing
0: and, and you seem to take a very optimistic tack. You've said that this might be the golden age of black literature. Why do you think that? Well, I think that it's possible
1: for so many people to write today, to tell so many different kinds of stories. I think a lot of people make the mistake of um, wanting to, be, uh, you know, append the word great to literature, you know, great literature. And uh, any group of people... If, if their literature is seen as great literature, suffers, because then you can't write fun literature. So, you know, you can't write, write literature about, you know, romances or uh, detective stories or, you know, um, science fiction, really wild fantasy stories. Uh, some, some fiction is not great, but, but, but the truth is you may have great fiction, and it exists. There's quite a, some very wonderful writers. But the real greatness, the real wonder of the written word is people reading it. And the broader your palette of literature, the more people you have reading. And that's what's truly great. Not any individual book that exists.
0: Absolutely. Uh, In the introduction, I mentioned you won a Grammy. That was for best, best liner notes for a Richard Pryor box set. Tell me a little bit about that project, and what's it like winning a Grammy?
1: Wow, it's so strange, you know. Um, some people called me up and said, uh, we, you know, We're coming out with this collection of uh, Richard Pryor concerts. Uh, will you write an introduction? I said, Sure. And I just sat down and write it, wrote it. You know, I love Richard Pryor. I think he's a genius, honestly. And, um, and so I wrote this kind of over the top um, uh, description of what I think Richard Pryor is and what he's done. And I sent it in, and, and that was it. And then, you know, a f- few months later, they sent me a copy, you know, with, with, the, you know, with the discs, and I thought that was nice. Then a few months later I said, Well, you know, we have been nominated, uh, you know, your Alliance have been nominated for a Grammy. I didn't even know that they gave Grammys for this. <laughs> and so I went, but you know, I didn't expect to win or anything. You know, so I sat there and when they named me I was I was really completely astounded. Mm. You know, because you know you know, a lot of times you, you, you win um awards inside your own work your own ballywick you know you have you know you write novels but your friends write novels or people are trying to raise money or there's all kinds of reasons that you win awards that aren't necessarily because of the work particularly and um but you know nobody knows me in the music world well <laughs> so, like of all the awards i've won that's the one i think wow i really won that award
0: well for an award that you didn't even know existed a grammy's got to be a pretty prestigious one <laughs> Well, I I knew the Grammy existed. Well, I didn't sure, know yeah, it existed yeah, for for, uh, yeah, for liner notes. I mm-hmm. uh, I was interested to read that you you once said that the character of Al Bundy from Married with Children, of all people, was a hero of yours. Was that tongue tongue in cheek? No, not at all.
1: Uh, and 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 I think I said it before. I, I realized that that one of the uh, creators of the show was black. But I, I I'm I'm so drawn to that show. I think that. Uh, you know, one of the problems with America, uh, culturally and socially, is that it's, it's a, great, a great part of our nation is dysfunctional. We have dysfunctional families and dysfunctional relationships, and, and people live in real poverty, uh, though, they're, though everybody says they're middle class or working class or whatever. And, and Married with Children really, really talk—that's the only thing it talks about. Mm-hmm. And whenever that show's on for, you know, whatever it is, uh, 18 minutes or 21 minutes, whatever it is, they talk about emotional dysfunctionality and poverty in America. And I think that's something that needs to be addressed.
0: Uh, one of my favorite things about the National Book Festival, and really the heart of it, is getting to see authors interact with their fans, and to me in particular, the young people. What do you tell— people who are interested in pursuing writing careers? What advice do you have? Well, you know, it's, it's
1: really easy. It's a lot easier than if you want to do gymnastics or, or golf or, you know, war, I guess. You know, it's it's a kind of an easy thing. You just need a, a pencil and a piece of paper, and uh, you write, which is <laughs> really, you know, it's kind of wonderful. Um, I often get asked that question, you know, and the, and, the, and the answer is longer than you ever have time to give, mm-hmm. really. Uh, which is why I wrote a book called This Year You Write Your Novel, uh, which is this little 80-page book I wrote that explains everything I know about writing a novel in a year's time. I think, uh, honestly, anybody can do it. I don't know how good the book will or will not be, uh, but I think anybody can do it, and I think anybody can actually learn the things you need to know to write. And so I'm very supportive to people when they come up and they tell me they want to write. I say, okay, fine, this is how you do
0: it. I think a lot of people would probably argue that what you do is every bit as uh, challenging as being a gymnast. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that get out there, that we just get out
1: there to the bar and put their hands on it, and that would be it. Yeah. With writing, you could at least move the pencil a little bit.
0: (laughs) Well, Walter Mosley, before I let you go, can you talk uh, about any other projects or books that you have coming up?
1: Well, you know, I'm doing a play, which I'm very excited about, based on my book, The Tempest Tales. It's called The Fall of Heaven, and I'm doing it at Cincinnati Playhouse. That makes me very happy. And I'm, you know, working on this movie, and that movie we will see uh, The Man in My Basement, and this movie called Yelling to the Sky. The one thing I did want to say is I this is the second time that I've been to this book festival. The first time I was there was on September tenth, two 2001.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like
1: it's it's like etched in my brain. I was there, you know, uh, talking uh to to you know to to an audience, uh, talking to other writers. And, and you know, the next day, you know, I woke up and it was, uh, you know, 9/11. Well, and, I've, you know, I've been there since then I'm really looking forward to coming back
0: and in you know, many ways it changed the character not just of the book festival but, but the entire city it's, it's definitely different in terms of security and, and, and access and uh, you know, we're pleased that people can still come down and, and see it and interact with people uh, like you it's wonderful I'm really looking forward to it well Walter Mosley thank you so much for your time today I really appreciate it Oh, thank you too and we'll be excited to hear more from you at the National Book Festival that is Saturday uh, go ahead I'll be there. All right, Saturday September 26th that's on the National Mall from 10 a.m. to 5:30 p.m. The event is free and open to the public. If you want more details and a complete list of participating authors, you can visit www.loc.gov/bookfest. From the Library of Congress this is Matt Raymond. Thank you so much for listening.